Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Welcome, welcome friends. It is so great to be here with you today and I have got a treat for you. This is going to be really a special episode because for me, finances has been such a big part of my own journey in expanding and the mindset around money. And so I am very thrilled to welcome Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers-Markwell, who changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women and their finances. So started at home for Jennifer after her grandfather passed away, and she wanted to help her grandmother make sense of investing. Now, she regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women to take charge of their investments. Her financial pedigree includes formerly being key financial advisor to more than $300 million under management. She's also very active in both state and local communities. In addition to acting as president for Platinum Wealth Management, Jennifer currently serves as a state commissioner for the Nevada Commission for Women and volunteers on the board for Girl Scouts of the Sierra Nevada. Jennifer Rogers Markwell was voted Sierra Nevada's top 20 most powerful women by Northern Nevada Business View in both 2018 and 2019. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's so nice to have you. And I know I shared it a minute ago, but I love this topic so much, mainly because I have an affinity for personal finance. And, but you really have this beautiful and meaningful start to your financial journey in helping your grandmother. What was so concerning for you at that moment that you felt so compelled to help her? And what did you believe was going to happen otherwise? Yeah. So I feel like I always get emotional when I share stories about my grandparents. So my grandparents were mom and dad to me. My mom was super young when she had me. So they stepped in as, you know, my my rocks, my parents, right? So when my grandpa passed, we found ourselves kind of in a strange position, right? Because he was the guy, the finance guy. My grandma did the checkbook and the basic stuff, but he was the one that was like, yes, this, these are other things that need to be done. So we found ourselves going to different banks and institutions and never had that warm, fuzzy feeling that anyone cared or wanted to do what was in the best interest for my grandma. And she's like, if we're going through this, imagine how many other women are going through this. And I said, I'll learn everything I can. And, you know, here I am. So that was my transition, truly, because of her. And I feel like finance is such a foreign language that it's hard to navigate, quite frankly, if you're just kind of you know, dipping a toe in, you're like, what? what? What is all this? What does this mean? And most of us weren't educated deeply into finance or what to do or how to do it for that matter or what even things meant, right, as a younger person. So um, had a big life change and super blessed for it. That's incredible. And, you know, that's really relatable because I had actually a similar situation. My grandfather was the one that did all the investments, all the things, and he was great and he passed the same thing. And, and my grandmother was like, okay. 
thankfully my uncle was there to be able to support her at that time. But it's it's a hard shift when you are, it's all of a sudden. It's not something that you have that space to kind of like learn a little bit at a time, dip your toes in, get your feet wet, learn the, you know, the terminology that's so confusing to a lot of people. It was mm-hmm. just like, bam, this is, you're responsible for all this now and you better get it right because you're at a stage in your life where you need money, you need to be start taking money out and things like that. So really relatable. And what was that like for you? Because you were in television. Yeah. It was a big transition, right? This yeah. is not a normal, it's not a normal realm to be like, yes, I'm going to anchor and report news and I'm going to travel on the world and interview, you know, folks and here's my thing, right? I always thought I would live in that industry forever. And obviously life had different ideas of what I should be doing. So I feel like when people say, you know, you kind of go with the flow sometimes. And when you go with the flow, life turns out mm-hmm. differently and many times more magically than you could have ever imagined. Or if you're saying, hey, I'm going to do this in three years and this in four years and this and this and this. Right. And then life's like, just kidding. You're not doing any of that. And here's the road you're going. And here you are. And you're like, okay, here I am. I mean, it was definitely a raw, really raw moment for me. But I feel like, I feel like obviously I've learned a lot along the way and I've been able to help, you know, thousands of individuals. And I feel like that's just such a, such an honor. And I don't take that lightly. Yeah. No, that's incredible because it is exactly what you said. You have this you know, vision for your life or whatever it is. And the ability to, I just want to dig into this a little bit more for a second, the ability to see an opportunity and go for it. What was that like for you? Because I mean, I think the money part aside, the self-trust requires to start a new career in something completely different. What was that what were you telling yourself at that time? That's a really good question. I feel like it. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just going, right? Like it wasn't like yeah. a premeditated, oh, here, you know, this will be good and this will be fantastic. And you'll, it was just one step in front of the other. And I knew that's the direction I had to lean into. And I knew that, you know, by helping her, I'd be able to help others along the way. So it was never, there wasn't a lot of self-talk with that. It was just here's the direction and mm. I needed to go. And I knew I needed to go just internally, awesome. right? So it, it wasn't a kind of a self-battle talk of like, this isn't a good idea or are you gonna be able to do this because you've never done anything like this before? It was none of that. It was just, this is the path. This is the path. Your conviction was so strong. Yeah, it was no doubt. So with the conviction, so what is it about women and finances that feels so important to you? Because I know you mentioned women and I know you serve, I think you serve men as well in your, because you have an investment firm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a wealth management firm called Platinum Wealth Management. And it's not funny, haha, funny, but funny, ironic that, yes, I got into this to help women. But I, I do have male clients as well. It's not like I have only women. I do have male clients. But I do feel like finance has always been kind of the good old boys club, right? For years, it was just that's how it was. Again, not saying anything disparaging against anyone. It just it was a thing. And now I feel like it's changing so much. Like, I mean, there's some statistics. By 2030, $30 trillion is expected to change hands and the majority of that going to women. So it's called the big wealth Mm. transfer or the great wealth transfer is the terminology for it. So this is a time where I feel like women need to take that empowerment themselves, right? They're going to, again, boomers are older. They're getting inheritances. Women are earning more money. Women are more financially independent, more than they ever have been, which is fantastic. 
It's still not even yet by any means. And that's something I feel like we really need to work on. But everybody has their own path. And I can help handhold along the way for that empowerment for people. Like that's a true, true honor. I have heard of the great wealth transfer before. So I am familiar with that. But I didn't know that a lot of that money, and it makes sense, but what is it that's different about this wealth transfer? Because I imagine kind of this must have happened in the past in generational changes or shifts before. But what is it about more women being involved this time? Is it just that we've kind of squished ourselves in, you know, like, is that why it's going to more women this time or what? That's part of it. I mean, think of the boomer generation, right? It's ginormous as the boomers are kind of phasing out and retiring and doing what they're doing, right? There's more women kind of in the mix, more women that are taking financial responsibility. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, women statistically live longer than men. So there's a lot of variables to that. In addition to like, I feel like women are kicking ass in the workforce, right? I feel like It's a different time now than it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago, or even like in my grandma's time, like we've evolved so much. We're not where we need to be, but we've evolved so much. And I feel like that's where that directional is really heading with the wealth transfer for that matter. Yeah. So with this new generation of women taking control and, you know, kind of in the workforce more involved in the money conversation, I know you talk about, or I've seen you talk about the confidence gap in women and investing. Women control a lot of the purchasing power, household daily things, but I don't think that translates necessarily into being as involved as they could be with most of the long-term future planning of their finances. Do you think there's still a lot of intimidation or stigma with women and feeling empowered in that area of their lives? What is it that they... No, no, I think you're spot on, right? I think women are just starting to come into themselves, right? More so Mm -hmm. now than ever. Mm -hmm. And again, not necessarily gender specific on that. I think people in general also too. In relationships, there's always a lead who seems to take a more dominant role when it comes to finances. It's just, that's how it's been. I'm seeing more couples coming to the table together and having kind of an equal partnership when it comes to finances. Because one thing you need to think about, right? If you're in a partnership, no matter definably how that looks, one of you may pass sooner than the other. What's going to happen for that person that's left over? Do they have an understanding of what things look like? Do they not? Like, you don't want to be the person that's like, oh, gosh, I just lost the love of my life. And now here I am picking up the pieces from that. And then I've got to figure out like all of this over here because I have no idea. Right. That's not a position Mm. you ever want to put yourself in. And I feel like that's where the education side comes in. I feel like that's where leaning into somebody that you have a good relationship with that, you know, is your trusted financial advisor or person or whoever you're leaning into as well is so important. And Mm -hmm. having all your party at the table, right? Whatever that party looks like, whether that's, you know, a relative, a family member, a partner, whatever that is, having everyone together and opening that, you know, line of communication, I think is going to help everybody along the way and, and tenfold. I think that's so key. And I think you just tapped on it there, the communication piece. For me in my own journey, the communication, it's not always easy to communicate around money. And we see a lot of divorces and breakups of relationships with money at the core. There's fights about money or whatever it is. And I don't know that we've necessarily learned. And maybe that's part of this shift to instead of having a main 
like the old boys club where they decided the investments and it was just so traditional and so normal. So with the communication piece, I think that there's a lot of, because of this shift with more couples being involved together in this financial building and this wealth building piece, there really is more communication that's required. And so do you see yourself or do you notice this come up in your conversations with people that are coming in for advice to you, that you are bridging that communication among the parties involved? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? That's always the goal. I still feel like there's always going to be one in a relationship that maybe leads it a little bit more. But yes, I feel like when you kind of delve into the world of financial planning, really digging in saying, hey, how much are you spending every month? What's your budget look like? What are you putting away in retirement accounts or not? Like really holistically planning. I feel like that opens up the conversation even more because everyone has to engage at that point, right? Because everyone's a a very important party in that conversation when you do financial planning. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think that is a big shift because I don't think that was traditionally the case in previous generations, maybe. No. And I think it's good, right? I think it's good to mm-hmm. ITs, right? I'm like, okay, so people are like, I don't know what this is. I don't, I don't have a budget. I don't know. I'm like, well, go have a nice dinner together, right? If wine is your thing, go open a nice bottle of wine, have a date night around this and kind of talk it through. Open up those lines of communication. Like I tease with my spouse. I'm like, yeah, it's a big Friday night in our house. Look at us talking <laughs> budgets. Woo! <laughs> So like (laughs) we tease about those things, but I feel like, you know, keeping the open lines of communication, regardless of what it's about, but I do think money is a big one, is so, so vastly important for the health of a relationship. Yeah. So do you think money is getting more complicated now that we have more people in the conversation? That's a great question. No, I don't. I think it's being more transparent. And I think transparent... Mm -hmm doesn't necessarily equal complicated. I think transparency is opposite, quite frankly, right? That's less confusing because people are more so on the same page when they're communicating together. Yeah. The transparency in those conversations probably takes away the complications in other areas, like when you lose a partner oh, and yeah. you're trying to figure it all out, whereas you could have front-loaded that communication and not been able to properly grieve because you're trying to figure all the things out. And so it might be just having those conversations proactively instead of feeling like you have to. Yeah. And that's like perfect world, which we're clearly not in, right? Nothing's perfect. (laughs) Everything's always an adventure along the way. But yeah, I feel like anything that you can communicate or I tease that I'm an over communicator. So I'm like, (laughs) I always want to be on the same page with clients and even my team, right? They're like, yeah, "Yeah, we've heard this. I'm like, yeah, but let's make sure we're on the same page on this, right? Because we don't want anything lost in translation. (laughs) Just because I feel like communication is such an important factor, no matter what you do in the world, right, in life. Like, if you can communicate and communicate cleanly, I feel like that's just, that's huge. It's everything. It's how you win at everything. Yeah. It's how you win at relationships, at money, at work, at friends. Like, it's everything for sure. I think that mm-hmm. there should be a communication class in, in every high school. <laughs> Mandatory. And I feel like that's why this ended up being an interesting path for me, because my mm. degree, my initial college degree is in communications. 
Oh. So working in the realm of television, right? You're communicating. Yeah, you're learning to communicate. You're learning to interview people and kind of find out what's making them tick for whatever story potentially you're doing. There's mm-hmm. definitely a kind of an overlap there with finance as well, right? So you're communicating. You're finding out financially what makes people tick, what their goals are, what their dreams are, what their aspirations are to make sure that you're helping them get on that path so they can achieve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of a puzzle. If you look at, if you have problem solving as as something that you default to, it's really just not a problem, but it's something to put all the pieces together and be able to make sense of. Yeah, and navigate that path, right? Navigate the path to get to where you need to go. Yeah. So do you think there's an element of transforming our relationship with money that that's necessary here, especially when we're talking about women and the shift? of being more involved and especially the great wealth transfer ahead. Yeah, I think it's education, truly, right? I scream that from the mountains. It's education. Like one thing we do that's a little unique is every month we do what's called the virtual coffee chat. So I will bring in guests Mm, from CNBC, from Bloomberg Television to national CPA firms or national law firms talking about the changes because there's always changes, right? Why is the market reacting Mm -hmm. the way that it is? Can we talk through that? Can we talk through inflation, tax reform? Things are always changing there. Legalities, like things are always changing. So I feel like for me and for my team, like education is so important, right? And education that's out Mm -hmm. there, not education that you always have to pay for per se. So that's why we do a a free virtual coffee chat monthly. So if you want to join in, fantastic. There's a speaker, they're there. If you have questions that you want to throw in the mix, it's a conversation. So it's not just a talking head per se, talking at you. It's a conversation that you could be a part of as well. And I think that's so crucial right now is that additional education. I think you're right because I think, I mean, if I look at my own financial journey, and I know we've talked about this before, but the first, my first money memory not my first money memory, my first education-related money memory, because I have money memories from my childhood, but it wasn't really something that we talked about. And I'm trying to change that with my own son. We talk about money a lot. We talk about investing. We talk about the impact of what we do with our money. Like We talk about money a lot in our family, but it wasn't really a thing growing up. And that's not to say anything bad about my parents. I have incredible parents, but it just wasn't it wasn't part of really the conversation. We saw what was being done. We saw the spending. We saw the trips to the bank and all that kind of thing. But it wasn't a conversation about how to spend, how to invest, why to spend, where to prioritize our money. It wasn't really necessarily that. And one of my first memories about educating myself was with a manager, a former manager of mine, who gave me a book. And it opened my eyes because it was all about investing and it opened my eyes to what's possible. And I think you're right. Without the education, you don't even know what's possible. Like you don't know all these things. And so how can you expect yourself to build your wealth if you aren't putting yourself in the room with the people having the conversation? So that's so beautiful. Totally. That that. It's incredible. I mean, I think you bring up a good point, right? So back in the day, Back in the day, (laughs) right? So I feel like any talk of money, talk of politics, talk of sex, all very taboo, right? Mm -hmm. No one discussed that. It wasn't a dinnertime conversation. I mean, I was raised by old school generation, right? So that definitely wasn't talked about at my grandparents' dinner table ever, 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 ever. 
So mm-hmm. so navigating that for someone that didn't kind of spoon feed you some information, like is it's a whole new world, right? So if you can get your hands on a book or someone to even help mentor you to a certain extent, or even, you know, th- there's a ton of free information out there too. You can listen. There's good and bad out in the universe, right? Depending on who you're listening to and what it is, because you're going to hear all perspectives. But I think truly on the educational side where it's not about like someone trying to sell you something or someone trying to make you go in a certain direction. Just learn the basics, get a solid foundation. And that I think will just guide you in such a proper direction. So you at least know where you're at, maybe what you need to do, and then seek professional help from there. Totally. And you can have that. It's nice to be able to... I am such a strong believer in... It's funny. I had a... (laughs) I am very... uh, What's the word? Like be able to do it all, like jack of all trades or whatever. Yeah. And... These last few years, I've really leaned into having my people and not requiring myself to be an expert at it and everything because then I'm really not, I'm spreading myself too thin and I'm not really focusing on the things that are priority for me. And so to have that person in your corner like yourself or like someone who can really be your person when it comes to wealth management is so I see my friends that grew up with that as a part of their household, like their parents had their wealth management person. And those are the people that the friends of mine growing up, that they were wealthy because they put themselves in a position to be educated, to have those conversations. And so I think that's yeah, such a valuable role that you're playing. And I just love everything that you do. There is so much. I've been in positions in my life where I have literally scraped together a dollar to buy Mr. Noodles. <laughs> like I've been to that point. And then I've also been to the point where I've got, you know, thousands in investment, thousands in my savings account and feeling really abundant in that sense. And there is a different, I think there is some truth to the thing you say that I've heard that if you can't manage $1,000, how can you expect yourself to manage $100,000? So there's some truth to that. But I also think from my experience is that when you have a healthy, if you have healthy income coming in and you're able to cover your base expenses, you make wiser decisions. And by aligning yourself with somebody who can help you make those wise decisions, those two things, having enough money to cover your, so you don't feel like you're in lack and scarcity and then having someone in your corner are huge. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a really good point on that, right? So I feel like emergency money is so important. So if things hit the fan in your world, what is your first line of defense that you're going to? Yeah. Hugely important. Because then if you don't have that, you're going to scrape from any pool that you have, which probably is not the best concept, especially if you're pulling from accounts that are earmarked for something else. (laughs) So, right. And it happens. We all have. Yeah. But this is why like that emergency money, first line of defense, that's where you need to go. Right. Have that on the sidelines. And generally, it's like a bare minimum. You want to have at least three months expenses on the sidelines, Mm -hmm. depending on your personal situation. And again, you know, your personal situation. I can't blanket across the board by any means, but some people will have six months or a little bit longer than that. Some people have a year. Depends on what your comfort zone is. But bare minimum, six months of what your monthly expenses are. And then I feel like you brought up something earlier, too. I feel like time is our most valuable asset, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a rock star and you're like, I do this fantastic, whatever this is, 
and you are then spinning your wheels in 500 different directions over here and running everywhere because you're doing it all, right? And I get it. I get it. I totally get it. (laughs) What is your best focus of time and value for you, right? What does that look like? And where else can you lean into others that you trust? And that makes sense for you to trust, depending on your relationships by all means. But where can you best spend your time and your value doing what you enjoy? Totally. I actually, it's not related to money necessarily, but I have a funny story about this. I had a part on my car that needed to be repaired and I had the money to take it to the mechanic, but there's something in me that was like, no, I can do this myself. And I remember thinking after, it's funny, I had to call a friend because I took this part off and then I had to call my friend mechanic because I couldn't like figure out how to get it on. I'm watching a YouTube video and I was like, this is ridiculous. I have the money to take my car to the mechanic. What am I doing? And it was this moment where I was like, I could have been on you know, a sales call with a new client or like there's so much better attention that I can have with my time. And I think that I'm not going to learn everything that you have in your brain in a matter of like the investment for me to learn everything that you know is far greater of an opportunity cost for me than it is to align myself with someone who I can trust and put in my corner. So And especially if you don't like it, like if you're like, I'm learning this and I don't enjoy this, this is not a fun Friday night for me, right? It's fun (laughs) Friday night for me, maybe not for you, right? But ultimately, like lean into people's strengths as well. Yeah, I love that. So you talk about, I know you serve men and women, but you talk about women and the shift with women having more, with the great wealth transfer and um, having more say in their household finances. On a larger, more global scale, what's possible when more women invest? What do you think? I mean, ultimately, you can reach your dreams, right? That's the ultimate goal. And everybody's different. I mean, whether you're male, female, non-binary, whatever, right? Like whatever. Everyone's going to have their own internal goals and they're going to be different from someone else's, right? Completely different. It could be that you, for example, like you're a fantastic saver. You've saved a very large adult number on the sidelines, but you spend $1,500 a month and that is your happy spot and you want to go in a van and travel around the world and that's your jam. That's it, right? You could be someone that's like, I would like to buy 30 vintage vehicles because that is my jam. And clearly there's different financing conversations with both of those scenarios, but everybody's ultimate goals and dreams are so different. Again, if you're doing the right things in the beginning and you know what your goals are and you're aligning yourself with either you're doing it yourself or you're aligning yourself with someone that can help you get on that path so you can reach what those are, like that's where it's at. I mean, I think that every dollar that you earn and you do the appropriate thing with for what you need and your goals and your dreams, that's the whole thing. We want to get you there closer. Mm -hmm. Or have you achieved that, quite frankly? Putting the power of choice in our hands. Well, and money's a tool, right? Like, I always say money shouldn't be your God. Money shouldn't be your God. Like, I'm no one to tell you who your God should be or not be. But look at money as a tool. It's a tool mm-hmm. to bring you to experiences and give you that time to enjoy that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we look at the spending decisions that we make, because we are all unique and we all have different things like vintage cars or traveling around the world in a van, 
how does preserving or building and preserving our wealth and making those intentional and thoughtful money moves directly affect the rest of our lives? Do you see the trickle effect with your clients or have you experienced that for yourself? Yeah, I think, I mean, I keep kind of beating the financial advising planning drum ultimately because I feel like most people have multiple goals, right? It could be that, hey, I want to be a fancy first-class traveler for, you know, the next 20 years. And then I want to like just hang out in my garden, right? So those are two very separate goals potentially from the same individual. So I feel like it kind of goes back to knowing what your big snapshot looks holistically because it can change and it can evolve. And think of that as a roadmap with you that's going to keep changing and moving around. And your goals sometimes of what you have as dreams potentially can change. So, I mean, that's kind of a vanilla way to answer that question, but I feel like it's all about that relationship, that open communication and making sure that you're evolving what you're doing now to evolve with what your goals are as well. Yeah. And just creating the intention from there and being able to reevaluate and being able to, yeah, allocate where it makes sense for you personally. Yeah. I love that. And not a set it and forget it mentality. Right. If you're like, I haven't looked at anything for 23 years. Well, maybe that's not so helpful. Right. Because maybe your goals changed a lot in those 23 years. So I think right. that's where the open line of communication comes in is, is so important. Right. You should be looking at your stuff consistently. You should be talking to your person if you have a person consistently. And again, that's mm. definable for you and your relationship and what your goals are. Some folks want to talk quarterly. Some folks want to talk once a year. Some do more than that. So it depends on, again, where you're at and what your needs are what you enjoy. Yeah. So for the woman who is feels lost or the person who feels lost or overwhelmed or unsure of where to start or where to get back into things, like maybe they were like me and they started and then kind of crashed and burned a little bit and then started on their wealth building journey again. Or maybe they feel like it's too late. Like I've heard that with some of my, like some conversations that I've had that I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, it's too late for me. What's one piece of advice that they can action to get started in building their wealth? Yeah, I think communication, right? Talking with someone, where are you at? What are you doing? What are you not doing? Like what, I don't think it's ever too late per se, but it also depends on your individual snapshot. If you're, you know, saying, hey, I'm retired and I have no money. Well, that probably needs to be a little bit tougher of a conversation because how are you going to pay for your food? How are you going to pay for your roof over your head? Like, are you going to work longer? Are you going to try to stockpile where you can investing? Like, what does that look like for you? Are you going to lower your expenses? A a lot of different things. Are you, you know, mid 40s ish and you're like, wow, I made some decisions that are not so fantastic, but I want to pull up my bootstrings and move forward. Fantastic. Talk it through. Find out where you're at and go ultimately what your goals are. What do you need? What are your monthly expenses ballpark? I feel like the word budget, I kind of tease, can be like a scary, hairy, big word, right? You're like, oh, gosh, budget. <laughs> that's not fun. No. Right? I've got to live in a budget. <laughs> One of my dear friends, she's like, a budget just gives you more flexibility, quite frankly. Right. Right? Because then you know like where money is allocated. And you're like, oh, hey, look, I've got this fun money over here that's earmarked for my fun money. And I know I can you know, go do whatever with this. And I'm not going to crash and burn my big financial picture because I've already allocated for that. I'm organized going in. And again, not everybody lives by that philosophy, but I don't think it's a bad one to explore. Yeah. I think this is just, I mean, kind of how we've done things in my own household is that, you know, a budget 
it doesn't have to feel restrictive. It can just inform your buying decisions. Like for us, it meant going from two cars to one so we could spend money on more travel. And that's okay because that's our personal financial goals. That's not right for everybody. It's just right for us. And having yeah. a budget or having the clarity about those numbers and really taking ownership of our financial picture allows us to do that. So, yeah. And that way there's that. not a big surprise, right? You're like, we yeah. are going to go on this magical trip somewhere. And you're like, oh gosh, surprise, there's no money. I'm going to pull it from this. Maybe you shouldn't. Right. Maybe you should try to earmark that out to the best of your ability. And I get if you're like, hey, I, that's not, I'm not even at that place yet. I need to evolve myself to that place. Where do I begin? And I think you begin with initial conversations and the education. And do you have emergency money on the sidelines? Like those are the baby steps yeah. out the gate. And I feel like then you start making the right moves, making sure are you out of debt? Like, do you have healthy debt? Like, what does that look like? And then what can you afford to move forward with to really start stockpiling for retirement? and or what your other goals are. Yeah. Getting a guide is so critical because you can walk through those for your situation. For sure. Makes sense. Yes. So where can people find you? This has been incredible. Where can people find you, follow you, work with you? Tell us all the places and the things. <laughs> yeah. So my website is platinumwealth.net. So platinumwealth.net. And then my podcast is Platinum Talks Wealth. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to following you on your journey and kind of staying in the loop. Maybe I'll be attending some of those wealth management chats. Coffee chats. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.